I'm Susan Branscombe, and this is Leading She. One of my goals has always been to help create more women in this field before I've gone from this earth. I've watched it grow, and I've watched other women like me do the same thing, try to help others. Kathy Bowe, founder of BowCore, realized that top-down management would not bring about the best results for employees or customers. So she turned the organizational chart upside down, creating a servant leadership team that focused on providing outstanding customer service for employees. She began BOCOR with $5,000 in her basement, and today the company has more than 450 employees. Kathy puts integrity and ethics before everything else and claims that being assertive is essential to business success. She strongly encourages women to consider positions in STEM and has served as a mentor and role model to many women. Enjoy this episode with Kathy Bowe. Today on Leading She, my guest is Kathy Bowe. Welcome, Kathy. Nice to be here. Thanks for asking me. Oh yeah, I'd love, uh, I love, uh, I love the chance to to host you, and uh, look forward to um, hearing your answers. Got some great questions here. Kathy Bowe, founder of BoCor, is an entrepreneur and philanthropist with more than 30 years of engineering and leadership experience, supporting both the Department of Defense and various nonprofit organizations. Kathy currently serves as founder and president of her family foundation, which focuses on homelessness, mental health, education, and community development. She currently serves as vice chair for the National Cybersecurity Center and as trustee for the Colorado 30 Group. She is an active community volunteer and contributor to many local and national charities. Under Kathy's 21-year leadership, BOCOR received numerous industry awards, including the 2013 Company of the Year from the Colorado Springs Regional Business Alliance, 10 top supplier awards from Northrop Grumman, and was a 2008 recipient of the Department of Defense Nunn-Perry Award from the Office of the Secretary of Defense. In 2013, Kathy received Business Leader of the Year from the Southern Colorado Women's Chamber of Commerce and was awarded Entrepreneur of the Year in Colorado Springs in 2009. BOCOR was named the top defense company by the Colorado Springs Business Journal in 2021. From 2014 to 2020, Kathy served on the executive committee for the Colorado Springs Chamber and Economic Development Corporation and was chair in 2020 during the pandemic. She was selected by the mayor and appointed by the city council to be one of the initial board members to form the Colorado Springs Health Foundation, where she served from 2012 to 2020. She was selected and proudly served as an honorary Air Force Academy commander from 2020 to 2022. Kathy holds a Bachelor of Science degree in management from Pepperdine University. Welcome again, Kathy. Thank you. Yeah, it's really, it's just, it's such an impressive uh, career and um, just amazing. Um, very impressive. And you're in one of the most um, male-dominated kind of industries of women that I've talked to. And we've, we've had some, we've had some doozies out there. Uh, my mother was a civilian with Wright Patterson Air Force Base, and that's where she had her career. Uh, and um, I know what it's like in the sort of the military has a lot of roots in sort of the command and control 
male, more male dominated kind of industry. So there's more and more women coming in though. That's the good news. Yeah, that is the good news. And we'll talk about that. Um, but I understand you started uh, Bocor in the basement of your home with $5,000. And so tell me about the company and exactly what the company does and, and why you started it. Okay. So it, it's kind of a great story. I, um, I have three children. I, we adjust, um, we have two of our natural born children and then we had our son, we adopted him and, and he was only two years old. And I had gone to a neighbor's house for a little small gathering and he was an entrepreneur. And he said, Kathy, why are you doing this work you do today for this company when you could have your own? And I explained to him that, you know, I have, I have three kids and I have a great job that pays me well. And I can see Pike's Peak from my office. <laughs> oh, wow. And, and after like the next year, I kept seeing kind of signs that I should start my own business. And so I put a lot of thought into it. I had saved money. My husband had a good job and I decided to start it and and then, of course, that was nine months before 9-11. So, oh, that's right. Yeah. So I was like, oh, my gosh. My husband was actually on a plane that morning. And um, like, this is not what I planned. Uh, but it, <laughs> it turned out, of course, the defense budgets really grew. Um, and, uh, you know, Colorado Springs, 45% of the economy is based on defense. And mm -hmm. I had the background in defense, so it was kind of a natural for me. Well, one of the quotes I found uh, in my research, Kathy, it says, Kathy realized that trust was the most valuable commodity in the defense industry, and she would commit her company to build that trust brick by brick, contract by contract, year by year at Bocor. Kathy's dedication to unwavering ethical practices not only led Bocor to remarkable growth, but also attracted some of the highest energy employees who share that vision with her today. This was when you were still full-time day-to-day with Bocor. Right. Um, right. And it sounds like you started the company because you wanted to kind of create your own company um, to kind of do things your own way. Is that right? Talk more about that. Yeah. You know, and I, I think the most important thing for me to share with you is that I think integrity and ethics is the most important thing you can have. And I think people know that. I think you can see it now, maybe not everybody, but I sure can. And, um, and, and so I thought, I think that's the most important thing. And, you know, when you start out from scratch, you know, you, you want to attract the right people. And, and if they see that you're ethical and you certainly don't want an unethical people. Right. So I think, I just think it's a really important thing. From mm -hmm. that. So I'm glad that you found that. <laughs> Yeah, that's, it's that's, a, a, that's a really it's a, important piece to me that I say that ethics and integrity is the most important thing. It is. It is the most important thing. I, I heard someone speak about the middle of my career and, and he kept getting these awards and he, his speech uh, in accepting the award was about, you know, every day I have a fork in the road and I can go the right way or I can go this way, which is not the right way. And every day I choose the right way. Right. And every day I have chances to choose the other way, you know, and that, that stuck with me. That was probably 20 years ago. I heard that. And I yeah. thought that is it, you know, yeah. choosing the right way every time. 
And you know what? It, it turns out too that the leadership that I selected, they all had the same. They they're the same kind of people from not just a personality because they're all different, right? But they mm-hmm. all ethics really mattered. And I and I will tell you, from the commercial sector to the defense sector, I way more ethics. Defense yeah. sector has yeah. way more ethics. And I was fortunate to work with people from the Air Force Academy that were mentors. You know, they had formerly been in mm-hmm. the academy. And they teach you leadership and characters all about ethics. So um, I just, I think having good mentors and in that, in the defense sector, not, I'm sure some people don't have ethics in the defense sector, but most do. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen that with my mom and her career as well. Yep. Well, we were introduced by John Reeder, who used to head uh, an organization in Cincinnati called Ready, an economic development group. And we loved her in Cincinnati when she was there. Uh, she was one of my guests on Leading She, and um, hers is one of the most downloaded podcasts. Uh, she talks about burnout, which can be an issue for ambitious women. Um, I know I, I've had it. I assume you've probably had burnout from time to time. <laughs> uh, she moved to Colorado Springs, and I understand now is president and CEO of the Colorado Springs uh, Chamber. So, so much for burnout. I guess she was ready for another challenge. And, oh, uh, geez, they love her. Oh, I, I bet. Sir, I love her. She's a dynamo. Yes, she is. Yes, she is. You guys are lucky to have her, and I'm sure she's doing a great job. Um, so, um, yeah, she's uh, she was a really good guest and uh, talks about burnout. But I, I knew she would probably be on and and uh, accept a new challenge because she's she that's the way she's wired. She's she's driven. But she gave me your name too uh, as a suggested uh, guest, and I'm happy about that. Um, I understand about a year ago, um, Bocor, uh, maybe not quite a year ago, Bocor was acquired by an aerospace and defense investment company called Enlightenment Capital. Talk about that, and uh, it looks like it corresponded with uh, you stepping down as CEO, not in the day-to-day operations, and you've appointed someone you've worked with a long time, so talk about that. Yeah, you know what, that was a plan. Um, so Tom had worked with me um, before I started Bocor when I was a programmer. And so my husband and I both knew him and, you know, his family, and they knew us. And he was working at a company, and he just wasn't in a happy place. So he came over, I think he's going on 19 years ago. And so I, he's so talented. I groomed him for a long time. He did a lot of his own grooming. And I made him president about 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So, and I, sir, I, I got out of the way some by serving on other boards. I was the chair of the chamber in Colorado Springs in 2020, by the way, and yes. that it had its challenges, but, but what was really helpful is watching him grow. And then I said, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to, to move on and out of doing this on a day-to-day basis. And they're mm-hmm. in, in the business is in very good hands and um, they asked that I stay um, involved. The, the acquirer asked that I stay involved. And I am involved, um, but really they manage it on their own. So I'm yes. mostly in a board, a strategic board role and Enlightenment Capital under BOCOR. And so that was the plan too. We're a platform company with a really strong infrastructure, 
We went through the mentor protege program with the Department of Defense. Northrop Grumman was our mentor. And so our infrastructure is very strong. And when you do business with the government, it, there's all kinds of quality assurance, reliability um, process, things you have to do right. And so we have right. all of that um, that background. And we, you know, we're in business now 22 years. So so it's it was the right time to do this. And we're acquiring companies right now and they're integrating them in and just kind of slowly growing. So it's it's exactly what I wanted to happen. And believe it or not, we kept that quiet the whole time. Hmm. So there was only just a few people that worked really hard to make that happen. And Enlightenment Capital was the perfect company. Um, we had some options, so that was great. And yeah, I'm in a really good place. Yeah, it sounds like um, it was a way for you to um, kind of move on to other things. And it sounds like the capital, the company that bought Bocor is going to allow it to grow even more beyond beyond that's, how much you grew the company. That's right. That's right. And you know what? Um, I started a foundation called Acclivity uh, hmm. last year. And um, that's really exciting because I have a lot of passions in the nonprofit sector through my community involvement. And so, so that's my other new fun thing to do. Yeah, there are things to do after you retire or step away from the day-to-day kind of things, fortunately. So we can find passion projects and find out more of our purpose, you know, in uh, Chapter 2, right? Yeah. Um, Were you a designated uh, women-owned business like WeBank, part of WeBank? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I was too in my company. I assume that you found it to be helpful, uh, perhaps, in getting government contracts. Um, well, actually, um, the kind of work we do is development-related. And so while we're a woman-owned small business, the contracts that we won, the prime contracts we won, were not designated for women-owned small business. They I were, see. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Did you find it to be advantageous at all to you? Yeah, I would say I, th- I think it was helpful because when we first started, we were mostly subcontractors. Um, I mentioned Northrop Grumman was a great mentor. And so they get credit, the, the primes get credit for working with small businesses. And um, and that was definitely mm-hmm. advantageous for us. But from a Yeah, prime, they get points, I think. Yeah. From a prime contract perspective, um, that didn't really matter. It really mattered more about what you're capabilities are in the, mm-hmm. in the kind of space where we compete. Yeah. yeah. Good. Found another quote, um, which says Kathy realized that top-down management would not bring about the best results for employees or customers. So she turned the organization chart upside down, creating a servant leadership team that focused on providing outstanding customer service for employees it didn't take long to confirm that satisfied employees resulted in satisfied customers. So what would you say about top-down versus servant leadership type uh, approach in your company? Okay, thanks for asking that. I love this part. <laughs> it's right up there with integrity for me. I, I yeah. think employees, I always did and always just always have. Employees have a choice about where they work. And here's here's my little company that no one knows and in a defense town that is full of defense companies. And so I knew that I needed to focus on what was best for the employees. 
And I also know that that's what mattered to me, right? I, I yeah. wanted to make sure right. that they were focused on me. So I came up with the term, I turned the org chart upside down and the employees are on top and our customers, right? So our mission mm -hmm. statement was about ensuring success for our customers' missions while creating challenging growth opportunities for our employees. Mm -hmm. And I always told the employees, I would put you first in that mission statement, but customers always come first. The reality is the employees, if you treat them good and you're really truly, you don't just say that in your mission statement, but you walk that talk, it really comes true. I mean, they matter. Yeah. And they do have a choice about where they work. And it's very heartwarming, not only for me, but our leadership team that all believes that because they appreciate it. And we do a survey yeah. every year to see how we're doing. And mm -hmm. that's what they tell us. You know, this is that's the, really cool. Yeah, it, it's very rewarding, you know, yeah. especially as you get older, because a lot of stuff you've kind of climbed the ladder already. Right. That that people know you care and that their career matters to you. And it's fun to see someone. We, we had an intern that I was mentoring from School of Mines, a young woman, and she's now been there 12 years. She's got her master's degree and she's doing wonderful things in engineering. And it's just wonderful to see and be a part of. Oh, that's neat. Yeah. Um, I saw in, in one of the videos uh, uh, that a couple of employees talked and you could tell they it wasn't it might've been coached. I don't know. They seemed very real and, and that they, they were very happy employees at, at Bocor. Um, one of the videos I saw, it says, Kathy is a role model for everyone at the company. Um, how did, how did you do that? Um, by what, just doing kind of what I just said, like you really have to care. So I went yeah. out, you know, we have a lot of employees in a lot of places within Colorado, but outside of Colorado, and I yeah. went and visited them and I had one-on-ones and talked to the managers a lot. So we, we yeah. also created a, a, what we called a group manager um, philosophy where you, we trained them to be like their other leaders that were at the corporate office. So they were out in the mm -hmm. field, right. Working in all these different bases. And we wanted them to kind of be that, that resource that worked alongside the other teams. So Mm -hmm. um, it was a, it was a huge team effort, and like I said, when when you sit across from an employee and they can see in your eyes that you really do care, and you have various team events, and you just keep doing it per consistently and persistently throughout the years, that I, I remember someone saying, "I didn't think this was real." He did. This yeah. is years ago. I didn't think this was real, and I'm so glad that it is real. And they yeah. keep, and then they become a part of it. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, it is like it's it's a team. Yeah. It's it, they do too, and then it, and it goes on. They they pass it along, and I would think that you know you are a role model for women. Um, you know that wow, if Kathy can do it, you know, start this company and grow it like this and sell it, you know, maybe I could too. What would you say to young women thinking about coming into STEM fields? And of course, STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and mathematics. What would you say to them? So, so I encourage that, of course. And, and one of my goals has always been to help create more women in this field, right? Before, before yeah. I'm gone from this earth, right? And I, I've watched it grow. And I've watched other women like me do the same thing, try to help others. And um, I've seen it work and I believe in it and I encourage them 
And this is what I tell them is there's so many opportunities for you. If you study a STEM, there's so many opportunities and the world is your oyster. So, and, and I mentor them and I'll have even women I don't know very well come and ask me and they, and they do um, say, Hey, you're, you're a great role model. Can you help me? And sometimes that's weird for me because I feel like just like I'm just them. Um, But I always help wherever I can. And I always will. And, Mm -hmm. you know, a a lot of my mentors were men and they were never, I never had any negative experience where someone had an alternative motive that wasn't appropriate. Mm -hmm. Never. So Mm -hmm. I I feel like I'm paying it forward um, from my heart. Yeah, I do. Mm. That's good. I, I had a lot of great men mentors as well. I had women mentors as as well. Um, I had some situations, I think, in my experience where men were getting bonuses, big bonuses for the work that I did. And I really had to speak out about making sure that I was properly compensated as well. That was my experience. Yep. Yeah. You have to do that. Yeah. Um, I heard you speak at a a chamber function talk on YouTube um, about the importance of diversity to organizations. Do you want to talk about diversity in um, wherever it is um, in in your company or within the chamber? um, Just the importance of it. Yeah. I having a diversified team and diversity just in general in our world is really important because we all matter. And, yeah. and I grew up before moving to Colorado 34 years ago, I grew up in California and there's so yeah. much diversity here. And when I went to Colorado, there, Colorado, there was certainly less. And it's, I've really watched it change over the, and I've been on boards where everyone is leaning in to bring in more diverse people. And so one of the core principles at BOCOR among some of the other things I've already shared is diversity. And the way yeah. that I shared it when I, as the CEO, I would go into every new employee um, onboarding and I would share the importance of our mission and our principles. And, and I would say diversity is so important here. It is in every facet of what we do. And when I say diversity, I mean in every sense of diverse diversity and, and people like it. I mean, at first, you know, maybe if people didn't, I couldn't tell, uh, maybe they didn't decided to quit. <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, in, in, in general, I think most people think that's right. And what's really great, like from a, a women diversity perspective, a lot of the men and women on leadership had daughters, you know, so that was nice. Right. Too. They, they saw the importance of helping others. So they kind of loved that whole piece of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We, uh, we talk about differences, uh, race uh, and gender used as a, I guess, career strategic advantage. And you said something kind of funny. Uh, I'd love to have you expound upon this. And that is, um, you said, in my career, I would say yes, because I was kind of a rarity. Sometimes I felt like I was a science experiment. Talk <laughs> about that. <laughs> well, you know, there just wasn't a lot of women in my field as business owners. So sometimes they would think if I had a, a couple of the guys on the leadership team with me, they would, didn't even know that I was the boss. And when, when they found out I was, their head would like shake, like, whoops. <laughs> and yeah. so that was funny. But um, 
they're also were inquisitive because I'm different. You know, I have a different yeah. leadership and women, you know, they have their strengths, which I try, I've tried to point out to you that, you know, they're, they're really focused. Um, they're not generally emotional, right? But we right. have, we're really good at developing relationships, collaborating. We're, um, we have, we're a little more insightful sometimes. And these mm-hmm. are just intrinsically men and women things. So I learn from them and they learn from me. But sometimes you could see that, but what is, who is this girl? Yeah. <laughs> so I yeah. enjoyed that. Yeah, I did too. I mean, back in the 80s and 90s, really, I, I stood out as one of the few women, um, you know, in a big group of men. And so, yeah, you say science experiments, they were just so curious, like, the, you know, the women in their lives, you know, whether it was mother, wife, sister, they may or may not have been career women. And so we're kind of just unique. And uh, I think they were curious. And, and I think having a diverse team of men and women because of those different strengths and weaknesses, like men yes. don't get involved with drama very much. Right. right? So, right. so, and you know, that that's not a rule, but you know, a lot, most women nowadays don't, mm-hmm. you know, so, so, so we can learn from each other. And the, the other um, little diverse comment I will make to you, Susan, is that mm-hmm. two year old that we adopted is black. <laughs> and oh, okay. So the four of us are white, blonde people. And you should have seen the looks that we got over the years because he was just oh, a little yeah. baby when we adopted him. But do you know how much support people would come up to us at restaurants and tell us what a beautiful family we had? So, so oh. I, I've been exposed to diversity, you know, and, you know, I have a nephew that's transgender. And so mm-hmm. I, I'm just like, whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah, well, I've gotten to that point, too. I've been that way for a long time, but, uh, you know, our society, I think, has come a long way. We're not there yet in accepting, you know, and the racial um, progress we've made and as well as accepting, um, you know, the LGBTQ community and gays. have uh, come a long way, but I, I, know, I know there's a lot more work to do. Well, here, here's what I've noticed, because it was we have come a huge long way from where our heads were in high school. And then I watch my daughters and they're totally accepting of everything and they're friends. So, um, you know, maybe not totally for everybody, but I think it's dramatically changed. Yeah. For the better. I I agree. I agree. Uh, more, more, uh, progress ahead, hopefully. Yep. Yep. So, yep. so you have two daughters and you adopted uh, a male um, African-American son? Yes. Yes. He, oh. was a, he was a family member's child that they couldn't take care of him. So he went to foster mm. care. And yeah. Um, yeah, he's 24 now. Oh, wonderful. That is really cool. We talk about um, assertiveness versus aggressiveness, and uh, you say assertiveness uh, is important without being aggressive, and that's essential. How how have you done that in your career and your leadership? You know, well, I absolutely believe that being assertive is is very essential. But aggressive, I personally don't like people that are too aggressive, too loud, too in your face. I don't think people respond emotionally very well to that. I don't think it really creates a conducive environment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm, but you, you, you have to, you have to be assertive. You have to say what you think and 
especially mm-hmm. when you're a leader, can't yeah. sit back on the sidelines. Right. right. And there may be conflict. Your opinion may be different than someone else's. And um, it's just important to embrace the conflict uh, as long as it's sort of in that academic level, kind of like, okay, you think this, I think this, here's why I think that with the goal being that, you know, let's think about the company and employees and customers first. Right. right. And you know, and that's the other thing is those kind of conversations that you just brought up, that collaboration piece is so essential. It brings Mm -hmm. people along. It brings a better idea. It's one of my most favorite things about leadership. Mm-hmm. Could you bring an idea yeah. up, everyone talks about it, and then because it get it morphs just enough so everyone feels like they had a part of it and it creates um, a better change environment, right? Mm-hmm. People now think yeah. that they're part of it. Right? Yeah. They are. Yes, right. Exactly. Yeah, um, you had answered a question that I had in my um, leading she questions about handling emotions in the in the workplace, and you say never cry at work. Go to the bathroom. Tell a friend. Go to human resources. Find a new job. <laughs> Talk about <laughs> crying in the workplace. That's been hard for me, especially early on. I mean, I got pretty um, uh, you know later in in the years as I got mature, more mature, I didn't cry. Uh, but I did at the beginning. I don't. I don't know why. I guess because uh, maybe I was used to that. But what would you say about handling? Uh, if if a woman feels like she's going to cry, you know, uh, what 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 is your advice? Well, you know, I I don't. I as I said, I don't think it's appropriate in the work environment because you mm-hmm. don't want people to misjudge who you are as a person. And remember, I, I work mostly with men, and. Yes. And I, I, I needed to let them know that I was a strong leader. And, and honestly, I, I didn't really cry that mm-hmm. much, but yeah. if, if I ever did, and, and I, I would ha- have women come to me and say, just keep that, you know, go into the bathroom. That's fine. Right. I don't want to discourage crying. That's a natural emotion. And mm-hmm. I can only imagine some of the situations that have occurred with women and it's worth crying about. And so I don't want to be harsh and say, don't cry at work, but leave, go home, you know, go home. And, and that's why I said, leave your job. If it's that bad, especially nowadays, there's so many Mm -hmm. opportunities out there. You, and, and of course that's putting pressure on people that are not saying and doing the right things that are causing Mm -hmm. uh, men or women to cry. Um, You don't have to do, you don't have to deal with that, but sometimes it's just an emotional thing for you. It's just a trigger. And, mm-hmm. um, and it's okay, but I don't think it's appropriate to do that in front of others. Yeah, I, I agree with you. It's hard though, when you have to cry, when you feel like you need to cry, you, you know, it's hard to, hard to stop the waterworks. Uh, but I do think, um, to preserve your reputation is not being too emotional because not to say that when you cry, you're too emotional. It's just that that's what, especially men think they don't want you to cry. And, you know, if you could, if you can contain yourself enough to say, look, I'd like to have this conversation perhaps tomorrow, later in the week, there is a way to get more emotional, you know, sort of a rain on it uh, so that you don't, um, so that you don't uh, get too emotional during a situation. Talk to your husband, talk to friends, like you say, get away from it and then come back to it when you're ready to talk uh, logically. Yeah, you don't you don't want to create judgment that's unfair judgment, yeah. right? Yeah, because right. that goes back to the science experiment. They already don't understand us all that much, right? They're learning, <laughs> yeah. so you know, we don't 
about this, you know, that you're weak either. Right. Now that you don't want them to think that, but you, like you say, you bring up a couple of things in your leadership style that uh, we do have in, you know, this is generally speaking, you know, I have good intuition. You have good intuition. We have this sort of collaborative approach to the workplace. All of that is needed. It really is needed. And it's valued a lot more today. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely agree. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you say that you, I noticed in some of our re- research, you said that you hire when, when you were in the day-to-day uh, at Bocor, you hire overachievers. Um, I always tried to do that, but sometimes the employment market was so tight that it was hard to find, you know, the absolute tiger, we called them, uh, to, to, you know, join us. Um, how do you identify overachievers? What would you say there? You know, you I think it's one of those things when you're interviewing them and you're looking at their backgrounds and taking all that information in, um, you can kind of tell. And, mm-hmm. you know, as a small business that's growing, you, you if you if you come in and you're, you can't keep up with everybody else, you're, it's, not, it's just going to create a problem for them and the business. So I, I did try to look for overachievers. But, you know, I also respect that the culture's changed. You know, mm-hmm. our, our generation, Susan, worked really hard. And it's not that they don't work hard today, but they care about their free time more. And they should. You know, they mm-hmm. used to always say, you know, the U.S. works more hours than, you know, Europe. And, and you know what? There's more to life than, than a job. So, so I respect the change. I know my, my daughter is like that. One, my younger daughter, she's very good at she does her job and she does it really well. And, and she also values her time off, you know? So, yeah. So I don't, I don't know that overachievers was maybe the beginning of, of BOCOR. I don't know that that really is much of a requirement right now. I think things right. more change and they have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You had said in something I read that, uh, and I, I, I am like this too, that I'm just driven more than most people. I did. There's this internal drive. There's some, there's an engine running all the time and I need to be uh, challenged creatively, energetically. And uh, I, I did what you did. I, I used that to start a company and, um, and just really just worked, work like crazy. Um, and then we talk about endurance um, and, and not giving up. I see a lot of women starting companies and then abandoning them and, and leaving just like, oh, it's just too much. I had no idea. But that's what that's what we did. Right. We, we got up every day and we did it anyway. But but, you know, that that goes back to, you know, in the beginning, hiring overachievers when you're forming, you've got so much on your plate to do and only so much bandwidth. And so that was more important in the early days. And now mm-hmm. things, you know, like I was telling you, the infrastructure set, you know, of course, they're, they're super busy now because they're integrating companies, small companies that um, fit in nicely into our platform. Um, so they're, they're growing again. So they do, need, they, they do need people that are willing to roll up their sleeves and work hard. But, but I think that that, is, that whole thing in COVID, COVID um, added to that, you know, adjusted workforce in terms of how much time they really need and should be putting in at work. Right. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, what would you, what would you tell, uh, women that might be deciding to start a company? Uh, what, 
what advice uh, would you give her? What did you, what do you feel like you could tell her that you learned the hard way? And I do get asked that question. So the yeah. first thing I always like to say is, you know, 90% of businesses fail. So yes. um, it depends on what kind of business you want to start. So I always say get experience in that business. Okay. So you know mm-hmm. what the gotchas are. All right. You know, you have a wherewithal about what you're dealing with. So I use the, you know, a lot of men and maybe women always wanted to open a bar, cheers bar, you know, that neighborhood bar, but they've never been a bar owner. And there's a lot of gotchas there, I'm sure. So, so they fail. And I went to speak at my daughter's um, entrepreneur class at Cal Poly a few years ago. And I asked them what they were taught as far as the numbers of businesses that go out of business. And they are still teaching 90%. So um, I think having that experience, I think confidence is huge. You yeah. you have to be, I, I always have said this, and I'm sure people would debate this, but <laughs> they're probably not on yeah. the call right now. <laughs> I don't believe that you could start a business if you're not an optimist. Yeah. If you don't believe that you can do things, like some of the things I'm like, how did I ever think I could do that? But I did, and I do, and I, I'm not making it up. I mean, I believed it, and and it comes true. If you're a pessimist, you're gonna not do very well. So, yeah. so I believe that's really important as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I mean, I look back when I started my company, and um, my husband's more of a naysayer, kind of like, "Well, have you thought about this? What about this? What if this happens? What if that happens?" Which is always really good to hear those kind of things, you know, as uh, here's the risk of it, but still I'm, you know, it's like, no, no, I, I know the risks. I'm, I'm going to do this anyway. Right. Right. That's right. You have to believe it and you have to do your homework and kind of start, you know, that the one part I, you probably remember this too, where when could you afford to hire your first person? Right. And what are you going to have that person do? What does that second person look like? Right. And, and And it works out. But that part was kind of overwhelming too, right? Because you're yeah, it is, yeah. and delegating, recruiting, you know? all that. So yeah, I don't. I think you learned that along the way. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I just had to learn to delegate too. I couldn't do everything, and I couldn't do everything perfectly. And other people could do it. They may make mistakes, but I, I had to afford to be able to turn things over and stay kind of thirty thousand feet. It took me a while to get there, though. Yeah, the, the other thing we had to do is because the engineering spectrum of support that you described in the beginning, Susan, is so big. And we were small. So we had to decide what we weren't going to do. Yeah. And become very focused. And that's where, you know, having goals and objectives and measuring outcomes and then changing course over a period of time when necessary was really important. But that didn't come right away. The first, mm-hmm. in the beginning, we're like, what engineering capabilities do you need? We'll bring them. <laughs> and then we said, that's yeah. way too many. We want to narrow it down. We really want to focus on software and systems engineering development, right? We really mm-hmm. want to be a developer. That's what we all did. So, um, it, you know, synthesizing down what you're not going to do is helpful. Yeah, yeah. Wonderful. Great stuff. Um, as we close out here, I've got... I've got another question for you, maybe two. Uh, 
at this stage of your career? What are the biggest lessons you have learned? What would you, what do you wish you could have told your 25 year old self? And I was the same question, any advice to a 25 year old woman who's climbing the ladder and you talk about telling yourself you got this. So talk about that. Yeah. And you know, I loved your questions. It really made me think and, and capture this for, for the future. Right. Um, but I think, you know, I, I said confidence earlier in this conversation. Mm-hmm. And confidence is so important. And I would tell myself, you got this. And I did do that along the way. But when I reflected on your question and think back and telling my 25-year-old self, you got this. Because I would question myself, like, what can I do this? I mean, yeah. in, in the Department of Defense and in any sector, there's so much to know. You know, it's just huge. So yeah, you you I'm always feeling like what I was was focused on what I didn't know. And I didn't give myself enough credit for what I do know. So I you know, you question it's just a confidence thing. So building your confidence and believing in in yourself um, is that's what I would have told myself. Yeah. You got this girl. (laughs) Yeah. It was easier to believe that when we had more experience. Right. And we'd been through, had some battle scars. Um, but at 25, you're just so young and everybody just seems like they know so much more than you and they have so much more experience that it can, you know, it can be intimidating. Um, but just, you know, keep the confidence going. And even when you don't have confidence, you know, I, I think I, I read something that you do this too. It's kind of like pretend you're confident anyway. That's right. And yeah. it grows on you, right? Yeah. The first time I had to speak to the news <laughs> as a news interview, I was so nervous. And oh, I told yeah. myself, you have to do this. You have no choice. <laughs> right. So, right. And the next time it got a tiny bit easier. I was yeah. even nervous to do this. Right. Yeah, it does get easier. And when you, you know, when you've got to do something, you know, it's like, hey, in the clutch, you know, when game's on, you know, the camera's rolling, you just, you just get in there and do it and don't let people down and just know that you'll be fine. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's kind of like being a mom. I think. Yeah. <laughs> being a Leslie, you know, yeah. you, you got to nurture your people, you got to help them grow, you got to right. overlook some of the challenges. And, um, and you've got to encourage people and yourself, Mm -hmm. like you got this, you know, late at night when your baby's screaming and you don't know what to do, you, I got this, it's going to be fine. Yeah. You got this and you you married a a great husband. I saw that in your, in your writing too. I did too. So he helped a whole lot and it sounds like your husband did too. Yeah, that helps. Yep. His name's Scott and I've been very blessed. We actually met at Hughes Aircraft, um, many years ago. And he's a very strong engineer, and he's been involved with BOCOR from the very beginning. Mm. And his, his skills, like um, a lot of husbands and wives, his skills are, are different than mine. So he's a, he's a very strong technical engineer, and he pretty much likes to work uh, on his own, analyzing, for example, proposals, technical proposals that we had to write, and you can imagine for Department of Defense and the kinds of space and missile defense work that we did, very technical, and piece together the elements to help write winning proposals and, and hmm. teams and different companies and expertise. Um, and he is very, very good at it, where mine is more on the business side and the leadership right. side and 
and the strategy side. You know, he's he's much better kind of pulling teams together from a business development perspective. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, that's just the work side, Susan. As a husband, as a father of three kids, he I've been really blessed. Well, speaking of children, as we close out, what are your three kids doing now? So, okay, um, one of them, the youngest one is still finding his way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the okay. 30-year-old is a senior program manager at Amazon in the research and development um, department. Mm. And the oldest one is a marketing, brand marketing for a nonprofit called Candid. So oh, she loves it. So, yeah. yeah, it's really great. Oh, I yeah. love it's, it's great to see your kids succeed and know that we might have had a part in it. And, um, they, you know, they watched us, didn't they? You know, yeah, they did. And you know what's really great? It, you know, in the end, none of this business stuff matters. It's all about your kids, right? And, mm-hmm. and, your, and your family and the people you yeah. care about. And what I saw is I was always, there was a question that you had on here is, how was that balancing? And I've gotten asked that question. And fortunately, because I had a great husband, And because I had jobs that allowed me to go and I was a room parent for all three kids the whole time they were in elementary school, I didn't miss any of their sporting events. Well, that's not true. I probably missed a few because sometimes they were in the same times. Um, But what the most important thing is, is the girls, what they tell me, how much watching me over the years have helped them. You Mm -hmm. know, they're like, mom, you were so important and they're friends too. Uh, oh, that, that my career, because I was kind of worried about that because people would ask, what yeah. does this mean for your family? And to hear, yeah. see it kind of along the way, but also hear them later say how important it was to them that I did that versus you were never home, <laughs> which right. wasn't true. But I mean, I certainly was busy. Sounds like you were. If you didn't miss any sporting events and you were there, I mean, but you know, they, my kids know that I would not have been happy if, if I hadn't had a career that challenged me and, and uh, just to work at that, at that level. Yeah. That's okay. I tried yeah. uh, like the first, you know, couple years and I, I really struggle with it. And I one time had a man say, Oh, it's, it's nice to see that you went back to work and got a real job. And, and his wife had twins. Okay. Oh my gosh. I said, the job I'm leaving staying at home is the hardest job ever. Yes. It's way easier to go to work than to mm-hmm. stay home. And, you know, because the kids at, you know, one and two years old don't say, thank you, mommy. And you're cleaning no. up toys and you're, I mean, it's a lot of work. Making, so, making so dinner. For, and, yeah. Yeah. yeah I can see my daughter doing that with my grandsons. Yeah. Yeah. Very. It's a lot. It's a, it's a big job. I, I'm, you know, we did it all with the careers and the kids and everything. But, uh, yeah, it all worked out. But it's a good time in life right now. I, I can see you know, uh, you, you are feeling that and seeing it and, uh, I do too. So, uh, we're passing it along and, uh, lifting as we climb and, and passing along the wisdom here and leading she. So well, I think it's great what you do, by the way. Oh, thanks. I like Thank how you. you did all your homework. Cause some of that stuff I haven't heard in a long time that you shared that you yeah. did your homework, on. Yeah. but, um, I love I do. what you do. And I, and I, I think you do it from your heart to help others. And that's why I'm here too. And the other women yeah. that you talk to. So, Good for you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. It, it is from my heart. I love doing this work and uh, I'm going to keep doing it. And hopefully, you know, your, your daughters are sort of my target audience. So make sure they check in the leading she and uh, thanks for joining me today. Congratulations on a wonderful career. 
Thank you. Thank you so much. It's great to talk to you. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leading She. Please check out many other Leading She episodes, which are wonderful. We discuss challenges these accomplished women have overcome in their careers. Please subscribe to this podcast and rate it and review it. Follow Leading She on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn. And visit our website, leadingshe.com, where we have ideas and wisdom for women leaders.